0: Coming up on the payoff, Matt Williams, by the way, the timing couldn't have been any better. Probably today, if you're listening to this, the the day it goes up, Matt is 13 years sober. And he's also an innovator, and he's a guy that will inspire you to do better. His podcast, Wake Up the Sun, basically is all about routine and ritual and how that can take you to the next level. His story about getting sober will definitely take you to the next level, a guy that I could relate to a ton. And fro-pro, he'll tell you all about it. But it's the protein that you need. And it's also tasty, too. I've actually had some. So without further ado, let's get it over to my main man in South Florida, Matt Williams. I've, I've, done, my, I've done my research on you. Um, and the first okay. thing, I've, I, you know, I did my digging. The first thing I want to ask you about is take me back to May of 2010 when your life implodes. You know, that what, what happens to get you, because you've talked about you experienced enough pain. Talk a little bit about experiencing that pain and and, and having the motivation to get sober off of that.
1: Well, it's funny. It's funny. We're doing it on this day because this is actually the anniversary of me getting arrested.
0: Wow. Cause May 17th is your sober date, I think.
1: Yeah. So May 15th was the day of the last time I ever had a drink. Um, it was a lot of alcohol and <laughs> it was, yeah, it was just, a you know, one of those things where you bring like you know, everybody brings something to the party. And this is, you know, back in the day I was teaching and coaching and, you know, it was the end of the year. And after, (laughs) after a school play and everybody was just going to the teacher's house to, you know, drink, cut loose. And, and just kind of like the year was wrapping up. We had like a month left and uh, everybody brought something, Uh, what I brought for everybody else. I consumed entirely by myself. And then, you know, at this situation, like I didn't feel like I was drunk because that was the way I drank. Right. Uh, I don't know if you can identify with this where it's, if you and I are sitting in a room like your room or this room and we're drinking nonstop, I'm good. Right. And then the minute I leave the environment, it's like blackout. And then completely, you know, my body just keeps going and then I end up somewhere I'm not supposed to be or behind the vehicle or, you know, the wheel of the car or just anywhere. Really. Um, I've woken up at some really crazy places, but yeah, (laughs) literally (laughs) May fifth like I was just talking to somebody about this, but yeah, May 15th, 2010 is, uh, you know, drank, drove and promptly got arrested at the local police station and then they shipped me up to the, the prison in West Palm Beach.
0: So this this right. this happened in in the West Palm area.
1: Yeah. So I crashed uh I crashed in Boca. Uh fortunately didn't hurt anybody else. And like the the Boca uh the Boca police department doesn't um they don't like they don't house people. Uh so it was like I went in they did the paperwork or whatever they needed to do for the incident, and then I got you know put in another uh, called the
0: the, the gun paper. club.
1: Yes, <laughs> and uh, I entered I entered the gun club. Um, it was in and from my ins and outs of being com- incredibly intoxicated because uh, I was very intoxicated. The I mean. Uh, coming in and out of consciousness and, and, you know, it was very humiliating, you know, just like I'm standing there with a couple other people that were getting booked, you know, stripped down, searched every way you could possibly think and then jumpsuited and thrown in the general population. And that was like the first time that really ever happened. I'd been in drunk tanks. I had been in, you know, like uncomfortable benches, you know, in holding cells, uh, in, in, in my span of time of drinking. Um, but this is the first like real, like real jumpsuit. Hey, you <laughs> you're 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 fucked my <laughs> no, you're actually-
0: good you you're good. You're, yeah. you're safe here, right um, yeah. so that's um you crashed the car uh
1: yeah to total totaled the car I was driving a jeep wrangler that I had drifted down to Florida from New York you know less than a year before to move down here to start over, and yeah, totaled the car I was coming from a pool party, I was wearing board shorts, I had no shirt on, no doors no 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 top on the soft top and was just driving, um, yeah, sh- I, yeah. Obviously, shouldn't have been behind the wheel, but I thought I was fine because I was in an environment where it didn't hit me until I had left. And the time I got where I got, it had hit me hard, and I was just, it was it.
0: So it was, it was over. What happens? Because we're going to go backwards and get into your story, but sure. I, I imagine knowing your story just a little bit, like I do, you'd been through scenarios, maybe not quite this bad, but many scenarios yeah. like this in the past. What What about yeah. this one? That you, you you know, you're coming up on, I mean, this will probably be up after it this passes, year. but your sobriety date is, you got 13 years in yeah. two days. God willing, as we yeah. say.
1: Yeah, yeah man, God willing, May 17th uh, of, of this year will be 13 years. And, and it's crazy, like time has flown and, and I really look back at that and, you know. Like that time, those things were, um, you know, I was like, I, you know, I didn't want to live in um, and that, and and I've I've spoken about that, and I never like to get too dark, but like yeah. it was one of those things that I felt completely, completely, like done. Where I crashed, I sat on the side of the road, like I just kind of waited to get arrested. Like before, I, I've got I had gotten arrested before, or crashed my car, and I've just sat there, like waiting to like just get cuffed, right, to be yeah. in that position of like hey, I'm done. Here we go. That's it. Like, I'm out. Yeah. Um, And this one, it was, you know, once I started to really come to, uh, and I always describe this as, you ever been in a place where you, are you know, you hear, kind of hear, and you're kind of like, your eyes are closed. And you're like, man, I just, I really hope I'm not where I'm at. And I woke up in, you know, on a cot, and, like dried, snot, tears, you know.
0: I've been of, there. Like,
1: yeah, just like that caked on, like sweaty, gross, smell of booze. And, uh, you know, and I realized I was like, wow, I'm in an orange jumpsuit and um, I'm on a cot and like, just kind of was like, please, like, please don't let me be where I think I am. And I was, and I just said, you know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm an alcoholic. Like, I, I can't do this. Like, I, I you decide,
0: fighting. so you decided on that cot. Hey, this is, I've got to make more so even, than any
1: other mean, time. Even, Yeah. I don't even know if it was a decision. I just, it was the first time I had like really just kind of like cried out and said, like, I'm done. Like, I can't do this. Cause you know, people had said like, Hey man, you know, you know, that frothy emotional appeal, like, man, why do you keep doing this? And you know, what's really going on? And why can't you, why can't you drink like a gentleman? And why can't you, you know, why can't you just stop like everybody else? And I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know any of that. It was one of those things that was really challenging for me because you know, I felt like I was doing okay, right? You know, I had a a couple masters, I was teaching, I was coaching, I was bartending, I was working at a restaurant, I was mentoring, I was doing all these things. But the minute I started, you know, and it wasn't an everyday thing. But the minute like I put, you know, it's like, I always think it's like, not funny, but like, I think old school, but once across my lips or anything, any of that, you know, that chemical reaction occurred where I just wanted to keep going. And I wanted more, whether it was booze, coke, uh, drugs, whatever you put in front of me, I just wanted to do it because it was fun. I enjoyed it. And I didn't really think about the consequences and I fought a lot of like gut feelings before and, and, and things that I was like, why do I feel this way? And what's that, what's that thing in my chest or my gut? Like telling me, like, you know, before some nights I remember and just be like, ah, whatever, it's fine. And, yeah. um, I just, and I, and that was a thing, man. I just like to get after it, have fun because I worked really hard. And, you know, if, if someone came to me and said, Hey man, like, you know, you're being, you know, you know, you're a little too much. I'd be like, well, you know, you can get fucked and go somewhere else and I'll just find someone else to party with and and I started drinking with like people that were way younger than me. And people that I like thought drank like me. And then eventually, you know, those people are
2: like, dude, like, <laughs>
0: You circle through yeah, you circle through groups of people, right? You circle yeah, through like, states. Go- that's part, part. of yeah. yeah I did states. Yeah. I did
2: like I'm
1: gonna go to New York City yeah. and then I'm gonna go to Connecticut. And then I'm gonna go Back home and visit friends there, and then you know eventually, like I would say, it's like eventually, you know, as alcoholics, <laughs> you either end up alone drinking by yourself, or by the time, which is the result of me going to these places again and be like, hey, dude, the last time you were here, you were a real asshole, and uh, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to drink with you, we don't want to go out with you, like you're a liability. You know, you're. You know, you're not fun to be around. Like, we can't enjoy ourselves because we're worried if you're going to do anything. And I never really, like, fought. I wasn't angry. I just would drink and disappear and go talk to people. And sometimes those people would, you know, just not be the the, the greatest of people to be you know, or end up <laughs> in a place where I should be. And people were like, dude, like, what are you doing? And why are you doing this? And I, and I, truth is, I couldn't tell you. And I thought it was like, okay, because like, I wasn't hurting anyone else. So I thought.
0: What a desperate thought, just, by the way. The because right. I've been I've been there. The thought yeah. I'm going to open my eyes. I hope I'm somewhere different than the place I know that I am. Mm-hmm. And and it's a real thought. <laughs> and it's a real thought. Yeah. You're you're telling yourself, God, I hope when I open this eyelid, you know I'm not going to be in this cell. And you are. And yeah, oh yeah. It's it's moments like that that will incite change. Now I want to go back to when you were a kid. Did you grow up? I know Stanford, Westchester, New York, New York City. Where would you grow up at? exactly?
1: I, I, I grew up in Briarcliff Manor, New York. Okay, um, I attended a very small school, public school, in all these like little towns in Westchester. You know, everybody knew everybody. You know, I had you know my parents moved there before I was born, so I had two older brothers that were you know, for, if you were to look on paper and meet them, you're like, wow, these guys are saints. You know, they they you know varsity sports and were you know musically inclined and and did, you know, the whole thing, and went to Ivy League schools, and, you know, again, no one put that on me, I just looked at that, and I was like, wow, these guys, you know, these guys are legit, so what do I do, and encouraged in my family, you know, my mom and dad were really like, hey, play sports, play music, do whatever you want, like, I had no capacity for Little League, or anything like that, because I had no attention span, and I, you know, there was, like, not, like, there was medicine back then, but, like, not, not, like, what it was or what it is today. And I would just like run around and like found like cool things to do and would go catch animals and like try to fish. And, you know, (laughs) I was just that kid that just like, liked being outside running around barefoot and like anything organized. I just, I I
0: steered away from, yeah.
1: Yeah. I just couldn't do it until I realized all my friends, if I wanted to see them and hang out with them, I should, probably channel that into sports and i wasn't really good and i wasn't really bad and i was like able to do what i needed to do to play and be a part of things uh when i learned how to do it that's a kick-ass place to
0: grow up by the way
1: It is. i mean you're close there you're like yeah
0: yeah of course when
1: you're there you're kind of like oh this is fucking stupid and everybody and and you know i go back and i remember you know being sober a couple years and I, i went back one time and i realized it wasn't my hometown anymore I had been in Florida long enough where, like, that's my home, and this was a chapter in my story. And uh, you know, it was kind of hurt, but at the same time, it was cool because I, I, you know, I was in and out of there. I became that, you know, that guy that I always hated because all the, you know, girls in our grade like the older guys that were, you know,
0: yeah. So you come back, and <laughs> hanging out, and
1: like I was coming back. I was like running the camp and feeling like I was a good guy because I was a teacher in the summers. I ran a camp, but like I was partying with these kids that were like six, seven, eight years younger than me. And, you know, it's just like, I look back at that and I'm like, "What, what were
0: you doing? We'll get back to this conversation in a second, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Hi everybody, this is Pete Souza. I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. With my BlendJet 2 Portable Blender, I can make smoothie bar quality beverages for a fraction of the price. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet. So you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly with the USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, There's a Blendjet 2 to complement just about any style. I like the Urban Camo print myself. So what are you waiting for? Go to Blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code peat 12 That way you'll get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code PETE12. Remember, you get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Souza, and we're talking about how to look good. I, of course, need help looking good, and Champions Barber and Salon helps me out. If you're looking for a great haircut or shave experience, go to Champion Salon and Barber. Their skilled barbers and stylists are dedicated to giving you the best service possible. Whether you need a simple haircut or a complete grooming package, they have got you covered. They have two convenient locations. I've been to both of them. They're awesome. One in Waco and one in Woodway. You can also book appointments online or through their app, which makes it easy to schedule your next visit. So why wait? Visit Champion Salon and Barber today and experience a cut above the rest. Hi everybody, this is Pete Souza, and this podcast is brought to you by Be Kind Coffee in Waco, Texas. With two locally owned locations, you can enjoy specialty coffee, bagels, and cookies seven days a week. Visit at Be Kind Coffee Crew on social media and BeKindCoffeeCrew.com to learn more. Be Kind Coffee, making the community kinder, one drink at a time. When did the behavior start? The alcoholic behavior, like when was there a moment in time you can circle on the calendar? And say, I had my first drink. Yeah. You know, for me, I would say <laughs> it was my first spiritual experience. Really, I was insecure. I, I could drink. I right. wasn't so insecure anymore. It was like the nectar of the gods for me.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I was gonna make a joke. But like that started September twenty
2: second, nineteen eighty one, when I was born. <laughs> that
1: works the, here, uh, dude. Yeah. The uh, yeah, I think it really it took a turn probably like you know there's like the was, there's was the whole one-upping thing right when we were you know you go to a friend's house you do sleepovers you drink in the basement and parents booze and like oh did you bring oh i brought some weed or i brought this and it's just like that kind of thing for a while and then um you always try to one-up your friends even though like you were bringing something for everybody to you know take or do or drink you know we had friend, a friend that looked like he was 30 because he was like this heavy-set italian kid and he'd always get us booze at the you know the the gas station um, and all these things. But, you know, it, it really, it really got bad. I want to say, you know, high school, not so much, but like entering into college. And then I think probably like it was bad from the jump, but it got really bad, you know, lost a, um, lost a buddy, just like tragic illness. And I was studying abroad and I was working really hard over the summer and like kind of isolating myself. Cause all I wanted to do was work and make money to go away to, study abroad and drink and do whatever I wanted. So it got pretty dark when I started traveling abroad because I was in a different country, right? And like no one knew me, uh, other than a couple of the people I studied with.
0: Where and did you go to school? Did you go to school overseas or did I you went, go-
1: I, I went to school at Gettysburg in Pennsylvania. Okay. So Gettysburg um, had a program so, where you went overseas. Yeah, really yeah, yeah really chill, you know, D three school, small liberal arts college loved it. You know, there's a couple of schools I wanted to go.
0: And, my like, nephew goes there. Football. He plays quarterback for the football team. Uh yeah, so I know I know Gettysburg. I'm from Philadelphia. So yeah. What is
1: he is he is he an SAE guy? I'll
0: find out for you. You know, we'll keep him in
2: line. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, no, and and I found out real quick. Like I didn't want to play music anymore. And all I wanted to do was like work out, and do my thing and, and drink when I did. And I had a lot of friends that were Doing that. And I didn't feel like any of us were really out of control because I went to the library. I did my job. I, I kind of like did what I was supposed to and got good grades. But like when I drank, it was pretty gnarly at some times, but I thought I was just like everybody else when, and again, there's some of those guys that, you know, are, are dead. And there's some of those guys that are functioning and some of those guys that are sober. But I remember like, I think it was, I was about 20 and my, I had finished a lot of my classes for my degree. I'd studied and I did everything in my, my basic, my, I think it was like the beginning of my senior year, I had like two to three classes and they were like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> so yeah. from Wednesday at noon to Sunday, it was game on. And that's when I think. You Cause know, you
0: start end, and you I've don't stop. In. That's, that's yeah, who you I, are.
1: And that's when I got introduced to cocaine, which is an incredible drug
0: sign me
2: up uh, yeah
1: and a yeah literally just allowed me to drink more and to keep going and i have a i have a pretty good endurance you know meter and can go and go and go and that allowed me to do whatever whenever and just keep the w- keep when the, i the like you endurance.
0: when i when i discovered uh you know cocaine Adderall and then cocaine it was um you know, that was another spiritual experience for me at the time. And uh, Yeah.
1: Well, I remember the first one was hydroxycut. That was the first thing that someone
0: gave me. Oh, hydroxycut to work out. You sure. Yes, absolutely. Oh, well,
2: yeah. Well, to, to work out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: how many yeah. how many of these can I take and not, like, keel over, you know? Right. Um, yeah, so that's all. I can totally relate. And then, you know, the cocaine really speeds up. For me, it sped up, you know, my bottom. I don't know how it was for you. It, it definitely kept me... You know, I appreciated it because I was sloppy, so it made me no longer sloppy, which I loved about it. And uh, me too. yeah, and it and it hit something in my brain that I don't know. Clearly, the same thing was to you. It doesn't work the way it worked for me for everybody, even even alcoholics. But it really worked for me, and it's a monster. It's pretty scary when it starts to take off. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like you said, 100%. day after day after day. What was that experience like for you? Yeah. You're 20 years old. You have free time. You're starting on Wednesday you discover this drug.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, I went out a little bit more, uh, you know, I went to the places that people did that, you know, know, basements, and it wasn't like freely done out in the open, uh, but basements and attics and all these different places. And, you know, we were, I was in a fraternity where it was like all the retired athletes, the guys that came to play something that stopped playing it, like baseball, basketball, we had, you know, football, like, we just kind of were those guys that were like the party guys. And I wasn't really a big fan of um, a lot of other things then. And like, that's like the thing that allowed me to graduate. You know, it's like, once you graduate into like the other substances and the other things that people put in front of you, I never liked tripping. Cause like that, I felt put me out of control, yes. or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, it just got progressively, you know, it got just progressively worse. And I, you know, Consequences weren't really happening that much. Like I had told, I mean, man, I, I shouldn't say that. Like I had flying, like flown through the windshield of a car, you know, driving drunk. I and I gotten a lot. I, I got Tip,
0: typical, a, by the way, typical fucking alcoholic.
1: Yeah, you know, no, no, yeah. no real
0: consequences. There was the time when I went through the windshield. Right, yeah. That's you sound well, like me. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. It's like when I go,
1: when I go, back, when I go backwards. Yeah, to everything. It's you know, it's these things where. You know, I, I, have totaled vehicles and, you know, in college, I just had like this old school pickup truck that I eventually totaled, and, you know, one summer and, it, and then it kind of just, you know, every car moving forward until, you know, May 15th of 2020, 2010 was just, you know, at the mercy of me drinking and driving at some point.
0: When, that when was, scrape a bump. when, when did your parents or, or your brothers or somebody really close to you uh, say, Hey Matt, yeah. this, this is a real problem. And that, for oh, me, yeah. that was always like really freaky. Cause I'd be like, wow, this is, this is bad.
1: Yeah, no, they intervened a couple of times in terms of not like an intervention, but they be like, mm-hmm. Hey man, like what's going on? Like, are you okay? And that didn't really, you know, again, uh, you know, my mom would always be like, why do you do this? And then you tear everything down and then you, you, you go here and, he, you know, just said, I'm just trying to, you know, do what's right for me and, and continue to move forward. And like, I'm really not hurting anybody. And you know, that whole part of kind of you know, my older brothers like everybody had their li- their lives going on right and everybody was doing their thing and I, I i i didn't want anybody to know and i didn't really you know i didn't really not that i felt like no one cared but i just wanted to do what i wanted to do um so a lot of that that whole like family dynamic it was great but you know there was definitely a couple brothers trips where we all went out or like people would come home and we'd go to like my parents house and you know my dad like no one really drank in my family and but like we would have booze in the house from random events or you know again it'd be sitting there for a while like yeah but heavies or rolling rock and you know we'd always leave it by like the mudroom to go out to the recycling bin and at the you know in the morning in the morning or whatever people would be like I had like one or two, I mean, and then there's like twenty in the in the yeah. kitchen or in the in the sink, and like they're like, dude, did you drink eighteen beers last night? Like stuff like that. Yes,
0: um, which which is by the, the, the counter- way, it's, it's shameful. I mean, that's for me, it was right. there'd be shame attached to oh, that, 100%. and I
2: bury it.
1: Like there were there were mornings I walked in when like the family was there, like where you know, I to, like Thanksgiving Eve was always a big night, and I would you know, or or Christmas Eve, or or something like that. And we just would go. I would go out, and sometimes I wouldn't come home, and I'd be, you know, I'd be hanging out with a young lady, or, you know, I'd be with my friends, and you know, I'd walk into the house, and like my whole family's eating breakfast, and that was the most shame. And I'd come home, and they're like, "Dude, like, come on, like,
2: yeah, like,
1: like no one." I knew what they were thinking, and they had expressed it to me, but no one was like, no one ever like leaned into me, and I probably wouldn't have listened to any anyway. But, you know, my brother did, both brothers actually tried to introduce me to um, one of, like, my middle brother tried to introduce me to a friend who was sober. And I remember going on a car ride, like, an hour away to talk to this guy. And I just kind of was like, cool, nice to meet you man." Like, and it was after an incident. He, my brother was trying to help, and I just kind of was like, cool, man, yeah.
0: This is okay. exactly, I mean, I can so relate to this, man. It's <laughs> yeah. like you're putting and then my- everything, that drink, that, that drug in front yeah. of everything, you know? Yeah.
1: And, and, and the other side of that was, you know, so you call my brother-in-law, right? So my oldest brother's wife's brother, say my brother-in-law, he was sober. And I remember, I remember him, him talking to me, um, and and just like kind of telling me what he went through. He almost died in college from, you know, and almost killed somebody else. You know, he got sober and I was like, cool story, man. Like that never happened to me. Great. Keep it moving like even even the pastor I, I grew up episcopalian and we went to church you know even the pastor um at my church tried to talk to me who's an out al- in recovery for 30 something years and father charlie would just like the, my dad was like hey go talk to him and i'm like why well, I, I don't i don't want to talk to him like, he's, <laughs> he's like he's like he's like God's god like what do i want to talk to him from? yeah um but but it was A lot of people tried to help and I just, I didn't want to hear it. The thing that, the the thing that
0: that would uh, bring you and Charlie close today is the thing that kept you apart from him back then. You know, it's like, I couldn't get any further away from those people, regardless of what you did. You could have been the quarterback of the Jets telling me to stop drinking or some priest (laughs) who I was associating (laughs) with. God, it did not matter. If you were telling me that it wasn't happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I would, I, I, steamrolled a lot of people and you know, that didn't deserve it. And, you know, there's definitely, you know, in the process of getting sober, a lot of people I was able to make amends to. And a lot of people that, you know, I wanted to, but reentering their life would have been a bad idea. For sure. Um, So, you know, and, and you know, my dad had passed, you know, passed away before he could see me sober. So there's, you know, that was a big one for me. And, you know, the, the living amends is a huge thing. And I try to do that today. And, you know, a lot of people call me intense and, you know, how I approach certain things. I just, you know, I, when I got sober, I was like, you know, I get it and everyone's on their journey, but like, you know, your hand is out and you ask for help. I'm here to help you till, you know, it hurts, but I can't get anyone sober. And, you know, I can only share my experience, strength, and hope you know, I, I firmly believe that like, I try to practice these principles. Like I grew up with principles. I grew up with standards. I grew up with like a really loving, awesome family. And I've heard some crazy shit in, in sobriety of people that got sober and went through some really horrific shit. And I was like, wow, I'm I'm a real asshole for, for having it really like, okay. But, but again, yeah, I'm co- when I start comparing, it's a problem, but it's, it, it but really
2: there's happens. gratitude
0: in that. You know, you hear you throw all your oh, problems 100%. in the middle of the room with everybody else. You're going to take yours take back. back. Yeah. 100%. So you I I one of the things I love about your story. First of all, you are intense. You're up every day at 4:15, right? Your the <laughs> podcast is called Wake Up the Sun. We talked about yeah. that off the top, but and and I of course we'll talk about that. Your recovery starts after that accident. And if I'm missing anything huge, just just throw it in there. But after that accident, yeah. you keep your job. You know, they say, "Hey, we're going to keep you around for a month, you know, just yeah. see this through." You know, and, and I love how you mentioned the teacher was, seemed like a pretty cool guy or the principal, but he didn't quite get what was happening with you. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I mean, he was a headmaster. He had sons that had like DUIs and he's like, oh, Mr. Williams, this will be fine. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no.
0: But he's, you knew. Just, okay. So you're sober. Are you going to meetings over the course of that first 30 days?
1: So what's crazy is that it was a very, <laughs> everybody knew what had happened. So this went down on like a Thursday or Friday night. I have to look at the date and you know when i came into school on monday everyone knew and it was like, <laughs> you, know,
2: that old,
1: like you know like oh there's mr williams you know? Westbury, and, and i yeah. walked right i went right in the headmaster i said hey this is what happened he's like no i know i heard i was like i'm really sorry bring you guys shame and you know i understand if you have to let me go he's like no it would be more of a disservice to have you leave with your kids you know everybody you know we got a month left and you know, you didn't resign the contract for next year. And like, even if you did, it would be up in the air because of what just happened and transpired. So it's like kind of for the best that you're leaving anyway. So I wanted to go back up North. I wasn't like, I, w- I really found You know, re- I had the, the Jeep. I had the, the, the place in South Florida. I was teaching out of school. I was coaching varsity baseball. Everything I could have possibly went. I was finally getting paid. And I didn't fucking care. Yeah. And I was just, I was just so full of it. Like I'm entitled to this. I worked really hard. And just like full of shit and like full of myself, and funny enough, like one of the one of the parents who dropped our kids off early because I would do early care some mornings, and she pulled me aside and I kind of told her, and because there's a couple families I was really close with, yeah, she pulled me aside and she goes, "Hey, are you okay?" And I said, "Yeah, hey, I'm gonna, I have this, I'm an alcoholic, and I don't what the fuck I'm doing. This is crazy, and like I'm at this." And she just smiled and she said, yeah, I've been sober for a long time, and you know, I know where you are, and I know where you're at." And I was like what? I was blown away. And she said, it'll get better. Um, if you need anything, you have my number and you can call, you can count on us. And I was like, wow. Okay. And like, and I'm thinking no parent wants to talk to me. And then another, uh, another woman, a mother and, um, you know, family she said, Hey, I want you to call my husband. And he was a scary dude. And I was like, no chance. <laughs>
2: I'm him. Um, and
1: she's like, please, please do. Like he, he's expecting your call. And you know, I got through the day, and I called him. and he, you know, he said, "Hey, Mr. Williams, I'm gonna come pick you up." Pick me up, and he took me to a meeting, and he was sober. Uh, and I went to a meeting out in uh, in West Boca, and I sat there and I listened. And I had been to one before after like my first DUI back in like 2000, 2003, uh-huh. I think. I, I went for like one or two days, and I was like, "Fuck these people! I don't yeah. know what they're talking about." Um, but i sat there and i listened and and he nudged me and made me share and i you kind know, of i laugh about it now and i laugh about it then like i just i literally you know just said i oh, am yeah, i'm an alcoholic I, like mumbled and he said try it again
2: i just I said i'm
1: Matt. i'm you know i'm i'm an alcoholic i lost my job and like i just like like vomiting like all these poor me things and people are just nodding and smiling yeah, yeah. and uh and then people shared uh and one person in particular called me out right off the rip and was like i remember because wow. He's like, man, I remember when I was like you, you're a scared little boy. And I was like, yo, like no one talks to me that way. Yeah. But like, but I, but he had my number and, and, and people had my number, you know, like everyone.
0: That's the best like, part about, every- uh, you know, the the, yeah. the, 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 rooms, it's just, you, you go in there yeah. and you're, you know, once you're open to it, you realize that you're home and you realize yeah. that, okay, you, you know, like I, I, I can be in here, I feel safe and I don't ever have to feel the way that I felt before. Right. And if I talk about this stuff, I get that juice that I got for me, that I start, that the I juice, used to get. Baby. Yeah, I you get that <laughs> juice that I used to get. Yeah. yeah, I know, right, the fro-pro juice too, right? <laughs> but you get that juice that I used to get from drinking and using drugs, and it started to happen for me in those meetings. Yeah. And I, I love your story too, because you go to meetings, and this is, the long-term situation was part of my recovery. You, you get done, you wrap up the school year again, if I skip anything, just let me know you get done the school year and you go to, you're like, I'm going to go to rehab, a 30 day program. And I'm going to bounce after yeah. 30 days and you go and you stay for 90 days, which is what happened to me. I was like, I yeah. went to a treatment center and then they were like, you got to go to an extended care place. Cause I had nothing going on. So I go to this extended care place and I was like, I'll be there for a month. And I stayed for four months there. It was the, where'd you, where'd you go? I went where'd to Karen for rehab and then I went to this place called MRP. Yeah. You went to Karen? What year? Yeah. Um, I was 2011. Yeah. Wow.
1: What was your therapist?
0: Um, God, Jennifer, I forget her name. Jennifer blonde wow. So you went to Karen too?
1: No, I know Karen very really well. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of work with them. Okay. Um, and a couple other centers here, but like, I yeah. just
2: know a bunch of people
0: that go through there. It saved my life. I mean, it was a place, it was just right, I mean, it sounds cliche, right place, right time, I was ready, and they certainly had the services to meet me where I was, and I was there. Yeah. And uh, it changed yeah. my life, and, and the, what, they, what, what changed my life is they were like, you need to go somewhere else. And I finally was like, okay. Like, I started taking suggestions, and they had good ones. And I had finally surrendered and it, my whole life, my whole life changed, you know, and, and I attribute a lot of it and this is not everybody's story. This is my story. Like, uh, yeah. the long-term recovery thing is really, really what got me started, you know, on, on the right path.
1: Yeah. And that's the same. I, I mean, I tried to leave after 30 days, um, and it didn't take much convincing, uh, you know, I, I you know. I had, my mother was basically like, I love you, but you know, good luck. Um, talk to your brothers. If you need anything, Because I'd put her through it. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's that hopeless feeling of like, man, like I want to be sober, but like, I don't know if I can do it. And, you know, I had a, a bunch of legal consequences hanging over my head that, you know, I knew I needed treatment and my lawyer was like, you need treatment. And I said, <laughs> he's like, if you want to, if you want to have, any possibility of not serving one to three years and i was like okay yeah um but uh you know of course like a good alcoholic i interviewed a couple centers (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: but uh you know i ended up you know one of my friends who was sober from home that lived down here um he guided me to a place and um i went in there i was like wow this this is this is okay i I can do this you know and this is something that uh, i'll be able to to do for 30 days and you know like day 28 and i was like okay what am i doing and my brother's like man yeah you're not going back to the apartment you know i had a a good friend i was living with and she was actually just a co-teacher that we worked together so just friends and he was like yeah we already took yeah you're not going back she knows so don't try to go back there so you're doing another 30 i was like oh and then after 60 days i was like hey can i stay for another 30 Um, and i stayed and like yeah it was about nine it was about i think it ended up being like 82 official days or 83 um and i'd seen a lot of stuff and i'd done a lot of work on myself i was not a popular person there because like i didn't i was you know, my friend made it clear he's like not here to make friends you're not here to meet women you know you got this really good girl that you've been kind of dating that's around like you should just you know get your head out of your ass and like focus on you and actually get to work and if and, and if you don't don't waste anybody's fucking time and, and don't you know he's like i referred you here and you're getting help because of me. And I was like, got it. Understood. No problem. Yeah. Um, And it was the first time I listened to people because I really had no other option. My waist up. Um, I wanted to die. Uh, Cause I didn't, you know, I just thought it was like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to teach again. I'm never going to coach again. Like I'm going to be a fucking loser the rest of my life. I'm 28. My friends are married and kids and lawyers and all this cool shit. I'm a, I'm a joke, you know? And uh, I was really down on myself and, you know, going to treatment, and going to AA, and there's AA every day in there, and, and, and getting some therapy and getting some work done on myself. And, you know, really processing a lot of things that you know I've been just like stuffed inside of me and 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 not process like my dad dying and we roommate from college dying, and just a lot of death and just a lot of things that I just kind of like, kind of just got through. You don't
0: process any of not, that shit. I mean, I didn't probably, and, and it's you know, skeletons in the closet, whatever you want to call it, snow on the roof. When you get sober, it's like, okay. And that's why the program is great. You know, like the 12 step model, which I know you're you you know, you're talking about. And, and for me, that's really what worked is it takes you through all of that shit, unpacks it all, looks yeah. at it all. I mean, I'm still looking at some of it today, right? Because I still don't, yeah. you know, do a great job of processing stuff that happened to me. So, so your, your life, yeah. you, how do you kind of ride hope? into an effective life because what you're doing today is extremely effective you're helping a lot of people you yeah. you really are setting the tone for a lot of people as well people who you know people who you don't even know so right. how did you ride hope to becoming such an effective man
1: yeah no i think it was one of those things where you know i think when you hit a bottom right and you hit and everybody has their bottom you know i know people that you know didn't lose cars and family and all this other stuff that just you know fine or emotionally wrecked whatever it is i had to be bad i had to be bankrupt on every level right financially emotionally familiar physically yeah almost spiritually the whole deal um and i think when you go through that at least for me speaking of my experience it's like wow and, and and you start to do the work and you start to see that like okay i don't feel like a piece of shit anymore and i do have some good qualities and i, I do have some things that i'm good at and you know, and, and, and it's not me that's good at it. It's, you know, I was given this gift from, you know, whatever you want to call it, higher power, God, universe, how, however you roll. Um, and like, you know, rather than being a taker, be a giver, right. And give it back and, and, and do these things. And I was, I was instructed, or I should say suggested to do if I wanted to feel better, you know, like mind blowing statements, like people would say like, Hey man, you never have to feel this way again. Like that fucking blew my mind. That's <laughs> Yeah, it's so simple. And like it was said to me in a parking lot, and I wanted to punch the guy's head through the window.
2: <laughs> and I was just
1: like, "How fucking dare you?" But wow, that is so profound. It's, thank you. I'm like those. You know, you know all these ones. Oh, yeah? And like you know, I had a I had a guy early on. Like you know, I had a I had a I, my first puncher was really tough. He was like a good old boy. You know, just like from the south. Like, hey man, hey. You know, you know, you're gonna do it or you don't. You either gonna call me or you don't. And I'm never gonna call you because you have nothing I want. And I'd be like, Oh my God, okay. Um, and, and he told me. I remember we went to we went to we went to um, we went to go out to to a meeting, and I saw a bunch of people and all these you know, like people grabbing coffee and like this fellowship stuff before the meeting. I was like, Man, I was like, why don't we do that? He's like, Hey, man. He's like, Listen. because I'm picking you up to take you to a meeting for me. He was, I have this, 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 this is part of my service because if you want that, you go build it. Yeah. And I was like,
0: that's great. I've never heard something like, that. like that. Yeah. That's great.
1: I, I was like, oh, okay. And I just got to work, you know, like I wasn't going to be teaching again.
0: Where I, did you live after, after, uh, after treatment?
1: I went back to the apartment, um, for a couple in Florida um, for a couple more. Yeah, I okay. Back to the apartment that I that I was living and teaching out of.
0: What's up with know, the girl, apartment. the girlfriend? Are we still seeing her? Or?
1: No, so yeah, she you know, we're still seeing her, but the girl I lived with is just a friend. Yeah. yeah. Let me back in. And you know, when the time was up, she's like, Hey, you know, it's time to go. And the girl I was dating, like, we were dating for a little bit and we, you know, we really liked each other and, and you know, she stuck around. I told her to run. Um, and we moved into this place and boy and I never did halfway. Um, just because like I had a month of meetings and then I went to three months of treatment and
2: like yeah.
1: probably eight to nine months or so my lease was up and you know, my roommate was like, Hey, it's been fun. But like, I, you know, like, I, I don't want to, you know, nicely. I don't want to, yeah. like, she never said it, but I could feel it. She's like, I don't want to live with a sober guy yeah, um, because she was a normal person. And I moved in with this girl and we moved into a little one bedroom, like studio apartment in Boynton. Um, and I was riding the bike. Uh, taking the bus and trying to pick up odd jobs uh, and, and, and just kind of slowly, you know, but like my first major purchase was like a bike rack for the back of her car. So if, <laughs> if she needed to pick me up from somewhere, she could. Um, and it's crazy. We laugh about this all the time. Like I married her. She's my wife. Um, nice, You know, she, she's, she's the fucking best uh, thing that could have happened to me. Um, you know, you know, she, uh, she, you know, <laughs> do this um she she saw something in me that i didn't see in myself and it was one of those things that like you know i i was like why why are you doing this you know and and she saw something and she was like you know you're a good guy you know like you just you fucked up and uh you know, she was doing her thing, I was doing my thing. And, you know, slowly kind of the business or cause slowly kind of like the things were coming to fruition where I was like, all right, I'm going to start making this little peanut butter snack bar and I'm working out again. And some of the families that knew I stuck around were giving me an opportunity to tutor and coach. I'm like, hey, man, you know, we understand people mess up and like you were always good by us and you were great to our kid. And, you know, we want to give you a second chance. And, you know, I just had a lot of grace from a lot of people. And, um, uh, People really, you know, give me uh, give me a chance, you know, and and I, I took that I took that to heart because I didn't feel like I deserved to lose.
0: Couple questions and, for you. Uh, um, yeah. So that's an incredible like journey we're on right now. And, and did you use? I shouldn't say did you. How critical was recovery and going to meetings and that fellowship, working with a sponsor? To reintegrating with like society, and not only that, but you go back to the place where everybody knew what had happened to you, right? I mean, pretty much. Um, yeah. And the only way out, in my experience, is right through recovery and right through. You know, like like you can't. I've tried to do that before, kind of on my own. Like, oh look, I'm not. Like oh look, I'm not drinking anymore. Like it's okay. Like I don't need to go to meetings or whatever. I really believe it is so critical to be like a part of that, right? Because on the outside, your life really doesn't look great, right? You're riding a bike, you're working odd jobs, you've blown it all. But on the inside, you got this pot of gold, you know, and and, and that's what people start to see that. And it's an amazing transformation, you know, because if you're really dialed in, you can help, you can be six months, six weeks sober and help somebody else.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of the way I looked at. It. I mean, I was going to meetings every day, sometimes twice. Um, and like anybody that was going, that was willing to pick me up. I'd go, and, and you know, my wife, my girlfriend at the time. I mean, she knew. She knew AA came first because I told her that. I was like, AA has to come first before me, before us, before anything, or else it's gone. It's gone. And I just said that because someone told me like this is the way it is. If you don't put this first, you're gonna lose everything. And uh, I made it first, and it's still first. You know, like my my morning routine is. The same thing that someone suggested when I got sober, which is, you know, some form of prayer in the morning when I wake up, um, you know, some form of physical activity, some form of journaling, some form of meditation and breathing. And I, I, I still, you know, I still, um, I still do it, you know, and, and it's, it works. You know, I still read the same daily reflections book every day still journal
0: about all right what's your routine uh, let me ask you now because you're you're a pro what is your routine in the, <laughs> no seriously i mean you, no, yeah uh, what's your oh, routine uh, what's your so, routine in the morning
1: yeah wake up uh, drink about 20 ounces of water Four right? <laughs> fifteen. uh 4 30 okay 4:15, 4:30. all right all right um, it, it's changed like i used to run a lot more my body uh, hurts I a lot. So it's, as same as
2: me yeah
1: morning. yeah but uh yeah drink like you know 20 ounces of water go downstairs um so i don't bother my wife uh and yeah i do i just added again back into it which has been great uh like three to four rounds of like you know static breathing that my brother talked to me about for years he's been doing for years and i did during covid but like stopped doing Uh for reasons i was too busy (laughs) too busy um so i do like 15 to 20 minutes of breathing then i'll pray um i will go have my like morning drink of like greens vitamin c you know the element salt you know amra all this stuff like that concoction of stuff that you know, it's just good for my body. I'll drink that, and then I'll journal, um, read the daily reflections and just kinda like where I'm at, how I'm feeling. Um, usually we'll have um coffee already like had been brewed uh, and I'll pour that in and just put it off to the side for later. Um, but then I'm either heading to go work out, um, take a class, um, or I'm heading to a meeting. Uh and I start my day that way because I feel like for me it's like the best thing um, in the morning, uh, just because it gets me focused and gets me right. And, you know, I try to really listen and I'm not always connected. Right. You know, it's, it's some days are just like, Oh, I'm doing this. I'm going through the motions and I hate saying that even 13 years in, but you know, there are days I just, you know, my mind's racing. I have all these things, you know, that I think are more important. It's a daily reprieve.
0: I mean, literally yeah. every single day it starts anew.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And then, yeah, then I'm out and then I'm out and about, uh, and then it's, you know, I'm either at the gym with clients, uh, I have a couple of coaching clients on the side for, um, just kind of like life stuff, uh, you know, pro pros rock and rolling,
0: you know? So, okay, let's, let's talk real quick. So you got the podcast, which is wake up the sun, all right, where, where you talk to successful people, people that have been through stuff in life about how yeah. their routine, right? Pretty much brings them or puts them in a position to be extremely successful. Like now take, is that, is right. that a fair description?
2: perfect
1: yeah say so it's a it's a podcast that explores the aspects of routine ritual consistency in our everyday lives
0: how important is that that routine and that ritual for people i mean
1: uh, for me it's it's I, I i don't i don't live successfully if i don't do it you know if i'm not you know even when i travel the same thing i travel with the stuff that i need that i you know, so i can mimic my routine as best i can even even on travels travel days like you know even, you know, it's like if I'm traveling, I'm working out, I'm doing something physical. I'm taking, you know, my athletic greens, my Amra, my element, like you know, I'm drinking water. I have, make sure there's coffee and, you know, I have like a workout clothes and what, whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Like it has, that, ha- that has to be part of it for me to be successful and for me to like do things like this and be focused and not like all over the place.
0: So fro FroPro, you, by the way, so it's frozen protein. Explain to people yeah. what exactly that is. <laughs> And and where you can get it. Uh, I mean, besides the fact that it's frozen protein, but like give us a little con- <laughs> put a little context on yeah.
1: it. Yeah, yeah. So it's an organic peanut butter snack bar. So it's made with organic peanut butter, plant based protein, gluten free, honey, and cinnamon. It tastes like a healthy Reese's peanut, uh, peanut butter cup or like a Snickers, whatever. Um, and we're just a snack. We're not like we're revolutionizing anything. We're not. You know, it's not filled with cordyceps or neurotropics. It's like a, just a great snack. It's a snack that. I made for me when I was biking around South Florida um, in my backpack with a change of clothes, uh, if in case it rained um, and getting around. And it was just this thing that, you know, was made for fun that I shared with a couple of business owners that shared it with, you know, whomever. And now you can find us in, in Florida and Whole Foods and about 40, eh, 40 States uh, working on it. <laughs> uh, and you can order you can order us uh, on Amazon. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's crazy to where it's comments It's a whole other conversation, but it's like this cool thing that only was because I got sober. And it was only because of the people that supported me, um, and gave me a chance and gave me feedback and, and challenged me the whole way and played devil's advocate of, you know, why are you doing this? This is stupid, or this sounds good. And I just, I just had this belief that I was given this option, um, to run with. And, you know, it's, we, we still have a long way to go and I'm really grateful for where we are. And you know my 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 I have mentors in my life that you know help me with business. I, you know I have a sponsor that reminds me, you know, when I'm having a bad day, like just to go pop my head outside and you know look at the road that I wanted to kill myself on, you know, back in 2010. Uh, and to keep it really really fucking simple and just remember, it's like, dude, again, like you said, it's a daily reprieve we get today. Might as well have fun. You may not be here tomorrow, you know, and uh, really try to enjoy the process of this cool shit that you're a part of and like, you know, it's like, we always, you know, as I always say, it's like, as a perfectionist, right. You know, you do 10 things, you have 10 things to do and you do nine out of 10, right. That's a 90%. It's great. But what do we focus on? The one thing I did wrong and I let it dominate my thoughts and I let it ruin my day. And it takes a lot of work for it to not. And, you know, I don't let that happen very often anymore. Thankfully, there are days that I get in my own way and, you know i play golf so i can get really <laughs> things. Uh, yeah i you know i'm very competitive with myself i'm very competitive just in general um to strive for the best right because i feel like i took for so long and you know uh, the legacy I, i'd like to leave behind is one of you know giving and, and being a good guy and you know kind of like my dad my dad was the greatest guy on the planet worked hard and helped a lot of people and never fucking whined and never had any of this that I'm going through you know had his own things and battles with like you know cancer and whatnot but you know kept his head high and kept working and when it was his time he was like totally prepared and and, and left the world a better place for being in it so I strive for that and that's like a real big driver for me right is is to be the man that my dad raised um, to honor you know my family and that and to you know basically honor all the people that were like hey like stick around, like you know, life's gonna get better. A
0: couple more things before I let you out of here, because this is very compelling. Your father passes away. You mentioned it before you get sober. How do you handle that? How does someone in recovery handle that? Because a lot of people would say, "I, I know this. I don't know the answer to your particular uh, situation, but you know, a lot of people that." aren't familiar with processing this sort of stuff would say, man, that's impossible. Or or, that's a bummer. That sucks. How do you work through it and come out on the other side, a a better man?
1: Uh, for me, it was a living of men. And it's one of those things every day I wake up, I, you know, I, I I try to be, try to be the guy that, um, I know he'd want me to be, um, that he raised and that he, you know, made, uh, you know, it's, it's, it really does. It sucks. And like, I still get emotional, obviously. Um, It's, it's one of those things that uh, you got to just work through. And like some days it's like this and some days I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I'm good to talk about it. When I think about it, it's like always this time around this time of of year when I'm coming up on some time where it's like, man, I wish I could call him and be like, Hey, um, you know, it's coming up on 13 years. Uh, But you know, it's it's cool because you know my mom will remind me and she'll just be like you know he knows i'm like oh mom why are you doing that (laughs) you know (laughs) um and my brothers you know they they know it too and uh it's it's a cool thing and i and i know i know it sucks for a lot of people and i've heard a lot of people losing you know siblings or losing sons and daughters and it's not easy and and I i would be lying if i said it was uh it's it's a daily thing and it's a it's a it's a process but the living amends really felt like you know I wrote a letter to him when my therapist made me do when I was getting you know when I was in treatment and uh, and read it out loud and, and read it to 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 my death uh, it was like a death and processing group that I went to and you know I've been able to talk with a bunch of people that don't you know have parents in their lives and, and you know and' been able to talk to people that you know have a fight with their parents and they're not talking I'm like man you know I hope you I hope you straighten that out because uh, you know, it's a it's a huge, huge void and resentment that I was experiencing uh and and not processing for a long time. because uh, you know, I would always oh, I'll never do it again, Dad. I'm so sorry to let you down. And he never he never yelled. He never, you know, never called me an idiot, never put me down. He just said, I love you very much and I just want the best for you.
0: Mm. And now here you are, you're, you're giving them your best yeah. and you, you are, and you put it out into the world. And, and, you know, I, the reason yeah. I ask is because, you know, you're the guy, that's why I love our tribe, uh, in, in recovery in AA, like if I'm sponsoring somebody, like my dad passed away and I, and I, you know, struggled with that, but he got to see me get sober and then he had dementia. Oh, so true. that was rough. Yeah. Um, but you're the guy who, if my sponsee is like, you know, this is going on. I can say, hey, I, I could tomorrow if that happens. I would maybe have this person give you a call, Matt, and and you could talk to him about it. I mean, that is the beauty of this. Like somebody comes in and says, "Hey, I don't know what to do about this. I, I don't have the answer, but I know somebody who does." You know, and no, hundred percent, and that's and that's a beautiful thing that you can kind of carry that legacy of his on and your experience and pass it into other people. Couple more things. How do you deal with your success? It can be a heady thing, and sobriety. You know, it's, you know, you don't let the gifts of sobriety get into the way of the gifts of sobriety, right? How have you handled your success?
1: I'm pretty tough on myself. <laughs> uh, if you could find that hard to believe. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm pretty tough on myself. And, you know, I, I always love, I think I, I you know, I, I, you hear it so many different ways, but like. I think maybe Tony Robbins said it. And I, that was someone I, I, someone gave me that book when I was getting sober. And it was like, make sure if you're going to take credit for the success, you take credit for the failure or just don't take any credit at all. Uh, and that's kind of how I, you know, attribute that. Like, I, you know, my first, my first, one of the first things someone told me is like, you're in the effort business, not the results business. So just like you get up, you put forth the effort, um, you know, in any success, it's, you know, like success is earned, not given, and the rent's due every day. And you've heard all of them mm-hmm. and they're great um But like I don't, you know, I'm very grateful for where I'm at today, and like I try to express that gratitude, you know. And if I feel myself getting to that like cocky 25 year old like that I was back then, it's just like, you know, that's not a good place to be. And you know, I have a long way to go, and like this is a journey. um And like we've had some really cool things. And one of the things I, you know, some of the things I do have to work on is to take a moment to be present, and be like, wow, this is really
2: fucking. Yes. Cool. Thank God yeah. for
1: this, you know. And wow, like I can't believe we've we've come this far, but we have a long way to go. Um, so I don't I don't really sit you know I I try not to sit in you know any win or watch the highlight tape I like this one this I just posted about like I don't watch the highlight tape too much I'm like oh man this is cool I'm like you know I'm working hard and these are great things and you know there's certain things we've been waiting like a year or two on for the business and there's certain things that we waited years to do like buy a home and you know it's like a lot of hard work Uh, and you know that's what I was told to do it's like if you want something you got to work hard and when it's your time and the results supposed to come, it will. And until it does like, just keep working. Like if you give up, that's on you. It's no one else's fault. So, you know, any success I, 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 I experience is, is, is a thanks to, you know, my understanding of what God is. And thanks to an amazing woman. That's my wife, Chelsea, and a lot of other amazing people that work here that, you know, allow this to happen. This community is, you know, a lot of people at like, of oh, South Florida and recovery community. I'm like, anything else, man, it's what your perception is. Like, um, it raised, it raised me up, you know, it, it, it loved me when I couldn't love myself. It, it gave me an opportunity that, you know, challenged me, encouraged me uh, and made me who I am today. So I think, you know, again, I can't take any credit for that other than like, I'm working my ass off and that's what I was told to do.
0: All right. Last question. Somebody comes in and they can't stop drinking and they can't stop using. And they ask you, Hey, w- w- what do I do? You know, somebody's listening to this right now and, and they can't stop. You know, what do you tell
1: them? <laughs> it may not be the answer uh, you want to hear, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that love and can help you. Um, and and unless you're ready to hear it, you know, you may have to experience a lot more pain before and like you may not come back from that pain. So, you know, know that there are people here that have experienced what you've experienced and what you you know, probably have gone through, what you're going through or have gone through you know, can identify and if you can come around and listen to a couple people and maybe you know listen for some similarities and and maybe you know be open to hearing rather than you know you know dictating. Um, you might have a shot, but uh, you know I think the pain has to become great enough for that desperation to be created for you to actually want to change. And until that happens, a lot of people, you know, unfortunately, like again, we were one of them. And, yeah, unfortunately, you know, we didn't pass away from this disease. Uh, and you know, it's just for today. So I think, you know, anybody that's listening to this, that's struggling, you know, maybe you've tried it at one point and like you say, fuck this, you know, give it another shot. You know, I mean, you've, 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 you've had enough drinks and drugs unsuccessfully, but you keep going back to that. So why not give recovery a shot?
0: I love it. Not 90 days and we'll refund. Give us 90 days. We'll refund your misery you know, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, a, that's yeah, I was like, yeah, that's
2: a good one. I always
1: remember.
0: <laughs> hey, so anything else uh, FRO pro, obviously, um, mm-hmm. they can find that on Amazon. Wake up. The sun is yeah. the podcast. It's great. You can get Amazon, it wherever yes, you get podcasts. Spotify. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anything yeah, else?
1: Spotify, iTunes, iPodcast. Yeah. No, man, I'm, I'm so grateful that uh, we're able to do this. I'm, you know, yeah. Family in town and getting ready to go hang out with my nephew and
0: thank you for making around. the time, dude.
1: No, man, this is this is important. I, I'm really honored to be a guest and connect with you. And I'm I love that you know definitely get on another conversation about your experience at Karen and uh, my experience that because we we're, we're around here at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah, dude. I thank you so much, and uh, you know, yeah. then thanks to Troy for setting me up with you. Um, you know, I yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Big shout out to Troy. Guys. Big shout I out to that, Troy man. G. And and this will post, um, uh, maybe like tomorrow. So um yeah just send me can you send me like a picture of yourself sure yeah all right your best one Matt. you know (laughs) (laughs) hey did you let me ask you I'm fucking with you hey you said uh I don't look at the highlight tape too much did you make that one did you is that yours
1: no that's from I was at a fitness summit back in Austin and Jeremy Hills who owns the collective gym just said don't watch the highlight tape too
2: much I love it dude damn yeah.
1: Yeah. I write down quotes in my notes and like try to like pile them up and share them when I can. But it was something I shared on Instagram. And I remember I looked at it and I was like, yeah, because, you know, it's again, like we, we, you know, we look at the misery tape for so long and yeah. try to change that. And it's like, you know, you start to experience some success and a lot of people walk away from recovery and forget what God them to where they are. And it's just like, don't, don't get caught up in that because it'll take you out just as much as the other stuff will too.
0: Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate you, dude. Thank you so much.